plenty going on here uh, politically, and they kind of somewhat different in substance, but the situation, the political structure of the debate in St. Paul and Washington Day today is similar. We'll start in St. Paul. Um, this is Playing Politics, our partnership with the Star Tribune editorial board, John Rash and DJ Tice from the editorial board joining us today. And DJ, let me start with you. The letter from Speaker Horman that she uh, that she wrote in response to Kurt Doubt, uh, we read it on the air and when it came out last hour. I don't see a, a lot changing here that, that almost that this is just, I've talked to my lawyers, this is how we go about this by the books. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's pretty clear that she's getting out her 10-foot pole and is going to, uh, you know, bide her time as best she can. Uh, to, you know, she talks about waiting for all the court proceedings to uh, be completed, and it's not quite clear what proceedings we're talking about. Right? Is it the is it the t- for her driving with a suspended license, or uh, the disorderly conduct, or something that that may come uh, uh, ahead of us? You know, if we're waiting for all of uh, Representative Thompson's legal issues to be resolved, it could be the 12th of never before uh, Speaker Hartman's ready to take any action. So I think, in effect, uh, the DFL caucus has made it clear that it's not going to act, and if the Republicans want to press the issue, well, they can. That seems to me to be the substance of it. John, what do you think are the next steps? It does not appear that uh, John Thompson will be resigning. Um, what, 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 what is going to happen here? In the shorter term, a stalemate. In the longer term, absent DFL support and with certainly a Republican Party unified against his continuance in the legislature, it doesn't seem that his legislative career will continue because if he doesn't voluntarily resign, they're going to take some kind of action. And if neither of those work, it's highly likely that voters will choose a primary alternative a DFL are certainly considering the district, but that he will attract a challenge in the next election. This is an untenable and unnecessary situation for the DFL and more profoundly for the state to be in. It is a privilege to be an elected representative serving in St. Paul and all members from all parties should behave accordingly and clearly this does not seem to be the case. John, echoing the uh, statement put out by the uh, by the editorial board calling on um, John Thompson to resign, as have Speaker Hortman, Governor Walls, and many others. DJ, the, the examination of how John Thompson was able to run in the first place with these allegations in his past, those are questions that need to be answered. Well, I, I think that's absolutely right. Uh, I mean, the, the simple fact that we don't know where he lives uh, that he didn't have a Minnesota driver's license, it had a Wisconsin one. And, you know, one way or another, there's, there's something amiss there. He apparently filled out an affidavit of candidacy and crossed out his address and, uh, you know, wrote in a P.O. box. Uh, and none of this appears to have raised a red flag anywhere. So it certainly raises questions about all the claims we hear about how airtight our election system is, that there couldn't possibly be any reason to, to doubt the eligibility of, of voters, you know, registering on Election Day and so on. We don't even know if our elected officials are eligible. And apparently the Secretary of State is saying that he lacks the investigative resources to uh, confirm that. So I think all of this, all of this 
questions need to be uh, asked and answered, and I'm pretty confident that the Republicans will keep asking them. You both, until will, they get some yeah, you both know this uh, far better than I do. But I've been, been in journalism for a couple decades now. Uh, we don't have major problems until we have a major problem and it gets uncovered. John, uh, both parties, the GOP and the DFL, how 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 badly do they need to change their vetting process? It clearly needs to be tighter. But I think with this particular situation, the DFL is front and center in two different ways. They should have had a much more thorough vetting process and been able to know this basic information before they allowed this candidacy or gave it its backing to move forward. But even absent this information, his behavior in the protest up in Hugo at the former Minneapolis police union leaders home was completely beyond the pale and and should have suggested to the DFL that this is someone who should not serve in the legislature. And, you know, this is not an issue that is just confined to his relatively safe district. This is one that's reverberating around the state, given the power of the press coverage that exists. And certainly the Republicans are going to use this in the next election in the same way the DFL would if it Republican Party at this point. So I think that the part, both parties need to, you know, have an airtight process at minimum with their candidates. But this is an issue where the DFL should have been able to get in front of this. On that, DJ, we talked about this last hour when um, Speaker Horman's letter did come out about how, you know, the, uh, if the shoe's on the other foot, the, the Democrats are doing the same thing, same, same things to Republicans. On that note, are Kurt Doubt's accusations that she's stalling, that she should do more, are those fair? At this point, I would say yes. Uh, if she thinks that uh, that Representative Thompson is unfit to serve in the legislature uh, and should resign immediately, then nothing prevents her from filing an ethics complaint herself and moving this forward uh, right now. And you know, if the governor and the secretary of state and the speaker of the house, all the affellers, um, all agree that he should be removed from the house. Uh, I think they could take action if they really cared to. Uh, so, yes, I think those are fair questions. I wanted to say on the, the question of the party's responsibility, I think this becomes a very large uh, pattern in American politics and really goes to the question of how somebody like Donald Trump uh, hijacked the Republican nomination for president. And, you know, we see more and more, uh, you know, radical and marginal uh, type of candidate to uh, in, invade party processes and, and just make off with party brands and, and party nominations. We've done many structural things uh, that have weakened the party structures, the, the bad old bosses, uh, but the bosses weren't all bad. They, they prevented uh, certain kinds of people uh, from ending up on our ballots and, and in our elected offices. And I think we need to examine how we have become vulnerable to this kind of hijacking. That's a fantastic point. Uh, DJ, John, can you hang on here through a break? And uh, we got to get to the goings-on in Washington, the breaking news of this afternoon. A similar situation in that House uh, Republicans angered, at the, in this case, at the actions of the House Speaker rather than the inactions. But uh, we'll talk about it after the break. DJ Tice and John Rash from the editorial board of the Star Tribune. It's playing politics. It's 145 on News Talk 830 WCCO. It's 149. That is your Linda's construction time check. Time to get free, maintenance-free deck estimate. 
Playing politics, partnership with the Star Tribune, John Rash, DJ Tice joining us today in Washington, the uh, committee that uh, would uh, look into the January 6th uh, attack on the Capitol. Uh, the, uh, Kevin McCarthy puts his Republicans on board, and today Nancy Pelosi says no thank you to two of them. Um, John Rash, surprising move here or not at all? Surprising move, but moves all the way back to the original problem in this issue, which was the rejection of a bipartisan outside panel, the way that they looked into the 9-11 incident as an example, the terrorism attacks on September 11, 2001. They put together a highly credible and respected bipartisan panel to look into the roots and ramifications of that, and their report was generally widely accepted. The same thing clearly should have happened here. It was shot down by Republicans, and so thus it was going to become a congressional inquiry. And when Republicans were appropriately added to the committee, two of them are perhaps at the center of the controversy, including Jim Jordan. And in a widely reported story a week or so ago, it was revealed that Liz Cheney, um, who, of course, was besieged along with fellow representatives in the Capitol, was offered a hand by Jim Jordan to help lead her out, and she pushed his hand away, used an expletive, and said, you caused this. And his very close association, which led to a Medal of Honor designation um, from President Trump, uh, you know, in effect made him a biased, you know, person who would have been on the panel. And so Nancy Pelosi said no. Now, what this allows is, for Kevin McCarthy to reject any kind of participation and for it to be characterized by Republican representatives and like-minded media as a partisan analysis of what happened. And what happened was so grave and so serious, it, it deserves much more than it's going to get. And, DJ, that was the plan, I would imagine, all along in McCarthy nominating the, these uh, specific lawmakers to be on the panel. Yeah, I don't think that there's a lot of uh, uh, tears going to be shed on the Republican side that this inquiry, you know, loses uh, credibility because it becomes to be seen as, you know, political, uh, essentially, even though it may be well and properly seen as totally political on both sides, still that that diminishes the significance of it in the minds of of most people out there. And that's probably exactly what McCarthy uh, is pleased to see. So, DJ, what do you think? I mean, what where are we going to go in examining this? Or is this is this something that just kind of goes by the wayside and that we never fully examine what happened on that day? Well, apart from, you know, there, there's, of course, the, the law enforcement, criminal justice uh, inquiries, but those are inevitably going to focus on individual conduct, uh, you know, unless uh, conspiracies surface that, that can be uh, prosecuted, uh, that kind of thing. But, but yes, as far as any kind of official government uh, inquiry, we seem to be uh, at a standstill uh, and, and maybe won't get more than uh, you know, congressional inquiries uh, of a kind that, that do seem sort of partisan, but, but time will tell. Uh, and, uh, you know, nothing prevents 
returning to the issue after another election may change the uh, the complexion and the and the makeup of the of the membership. Uh, John, it is bookapalooza all of a sudden with the inside details of the final days and weeks of the of the Trump administration. There has been so many jaw dropping moments um, uh, throughout the throughout the Trump presidency, long before the Trump presidency, and now after in uh, taking these look looks behind the scene. Anything out of the book stand out to you, John, as to I cannot believe that happened, if it did in fact happen the way it's being reported? Very little to nothing about President Trump's conduct, but more about the conduct of those around him, and in particular, people such as the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, General Milley, who was worried about, quote unquote, a Reichstag moment, referring to the World War II era uh, move by Adolf Hitler and the Nazi Party to come to power. And those are extraordinary words and seemingly extraordinary actions taken by him and some other administration and Pentagon insiders to keep President Trump from using his office to try to stay in office um, against in an unconstitutional manner or to spark a conflict, if not an outright war with Iran, to have a rally around the flag effect um, when clearly that uh, while there is long-term enmity between the two countries, it, it you know, wasn't at the point where it could or should have you know, come to a war. And so that, I think, is the big reveal so far. As far as the public, the, the speed and pace of, of these book releases makes you know, it, it kind of blend all into one another. And, and once again, the, the deep divide in society and in our political life means that the Democrats seem to be hanging on most of these words and the Republicans seem to uh, be ignoring them. And so I don't think that it'll necessarily change a lot of minds. DJ, the same question to you of, of the things that has been reported over the last couple of weeks that have come out in these books. Uh, anything stand out to you as uh, the more vigorously head shaking than others? Well, no, I, I think John hit upon the, the, the most striking elements, the uh, the Reichstag uh, concerns and, and, and just the, the the perilous moment that that things were in. Um, and and I, I, I think he's right as well that we've gotten to the point where there's a there's a fair amount of you know fatigue with the, the whole uh, you know epic uh, tale of of dysfunction and and definitely two very different audiences uh uh one that you know can't get enough on the on the the, the democratic side and and the other which really i think is happier to have trump gone i'm speaking now of of conservatives and and republicans other than the true believers uh are happier to have uh, you know trump gone uh than the democrats are frankly and uh uh, unfortunately, he's not likely to stay gone, and I, I, think, <laughs> I think that's what comes to mind every time these kinds of things surface for me is, uh, you know, is that we're not done, and uh, one cringes to think of it. DJ, uh, John, thank you both so much for the time, as always, on a Wednesday. Thank you. Thank you. DJ what? Tice, John Rash from the Star Tribune editorial board. The segment is Playing Politics. And uh, you can check out their work in the Star Tribune. We appreciate their time.